Hello and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're talking about Babysitter's Club number 35, Stacy and the Mystery of Stony Brook. Um, I did not read this as a kid, but I wish I had because I would have loved it. What about you guys? I didn't remember it, but I definitely, um, like, I didn't remember the plot at all, but there are so many little chunks of the detail that I did remember um, that I actually, I, I think I liked this one as well, although it's it's quite cryptic <laughs> what happens in the end. Yeah. But yes, I definitely read this at, at least a few times. I don't think I read it, but... While I was reading it, there was the odd scene that seemed extremely familiar. Now, hmm. the odds are that it was some sort of reference or joke that got recycled or some sort of um, happening that, that occurred again. But yeah, there were bits like Charlotte not liking the medicine. Yes, I remember that in specific as well. Like That's so familiar to me. That's extremely familiar. So it's possible that I read this real quick in a cousin's house or something. Mm-hmm. Or it's possible that I'm. there was another incident of a kid not liking some medicine. I think that was kind of a very recognisable sequence, um, the antibiotics. Yeah, and Stacey telling her all about having diabetes and then Charlotte being, ugh, I guess I'll suck it up and take my antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered that and I remembered Stacey setting up the bedroom for Charlotte and I remembered the Amityville Horror reference because I listened to a <laughs> podcast recently about the Amityville Horror and uh, was like, that was just dinging like a little bell at the back of my psyche. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's this book. Nice. Amazing. Um, which again, seems like an inappropriate movie for all these. Yeah, I have some thoughts about see. this later on. <laughs> so do I. But I actually, I, 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 I think we're talking cultural differences here. I think kids watch horror movies in America. It seems to be a thing. I guess. I know um, Anna Martin says at the end of this one that she's like, She's super into horror movies, and so her characters all watch horror movies. <laughs> but that also, she's quite scared of them. <laughs> well, why would you watch them if you weren't getting a true, proper true. thrill out of it? Like, no, that's fair. If you're not scared of horror movie, it's probably not much fun. <laughs> true. But if you're too scared of a horror movie, it's also not much fun. That's Yeah, you need to be medium scared. Um, I have a beef with this book. I have Ooh. I have a disappointment to share. Which is that they swap cover artists at this point, and uh, the only word for this artist is competent. And I'm gutted, <laughs> you guys. I'm so upset. I know the UK cover art is like two reasonable, correctly aged looking human girls, well rendered human girls. Like there's a background. They're in a mm-hmm. definable location. The they have like relevant emotions displayed on their faces guys i know the lighting looks okay <laughs> like it's coming from a few different places but but i, I i'll forgive it <laughs> i'm so upset like i i don't think this artist is it, it they're not up to the standard of the u.s covers no but no. like the gcse student is definitely gone yeah <laughs> they've been replaced by like an a-level student at least definitely someone who's actually got paid for it I think this person might have actually completed art school, guys. Oh my god. <laughs> it's nothing sacred. It's very similar to the the Hodges Swallow cover, actually. Like, really dramatically similar. This is the only time we've ever seen two covers that are apparently done to the same theme. Yeah, <laughs> yeah both covers are Stacey and Charlotte standing in front of a cool, spooky-looking house. Looking scared. Um, Only in Hodges Swallow... Stacy looks kind of offended. She looks like the house just said a slur. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Charlotte is like 
kind of hamming up the horror a little bit, but I sort of love it. But uh, yeah, there's like, there's nothing to make fun of, really. And I <laughs> feel like we've all lost something. Yeah. Possibly our innocence, possibly our joy. I'm sure that the GCSE student will be back at some point. They'd better be. I know some of the characters, some of the future covers are still kind of wonky, but like this one is fine. <sighs> it's fine, you guys. This whole book smacks of somebody putting down the foot and saying, the last few have been really bad, guys. We actually need we need some QA on these. <laughs> like, yes. Look, let's try and get a competent cover artist. Let's let's try and make certain things less terrible. <laughs> Yeah, we got, we got, this is our first Ellen Miles. Ah, oh, it's Ellen Miles. Yes. I like Ellen Miles. I, yeah. I, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is a good yeah, book. It is. This feels like she had fun writing it. This this was a fun book. It it had pep in its step and I liked it. And yeah, Ellen Miles has made a good showing. The very janky things that we've noticed in previous books, a lot of them, I get the sense she maybe spotted them and is like, I'm just going to smooth that rough edge over. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like Deep Space Nine did that for Star Trek. <laughs> There was a lot of things <laughs> yeah. that they were like, this this was terrible in a previous series. Can we fix it? Let's have a go. <laughs> yeah, it's that. I like it a lot. Aoife, do you want to give us a one sentence summary? There's an old house down the road from Stacy, and she thinks it might be haunted. And fuck, maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yes. it. Yes. It's so inconclusive. I'm so happy. <laughs> I know. Yes, it's great. I mean, this was the sort of like ambiguous They've explained the things, but not all the things yes. that I've been like, we've all been longing for with every book with a haunting or a mystery. Yes. yes. So, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what you want out of this. There's a loose end that they're like, you can just leave that there. We yeah. won't fill everything in. But maybe the paranormal? Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Ellen Miles like fully understood the assignment. I love it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Very happy. I think I, I wonder sometimes if um, the way it, it has been in previous books was more like um, an, a certain authorial or editorial reluctance to leave reality. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like, well, do we actually want to go telling all these tween girls across the nation that goes surreal? Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and it's like, yes, yes, tween girls are extremely into that. You definitely need to tell them goes surreal, guys. Just what's wrong with you? They already think it. Tween girls are dying to be told that ghosts are real. Yeah. That's why your life changes when you find the, like, Osborne children's science book of the paranormal. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. There's a reason that's everyone's favourite Osborne book. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Before we get into it, uh, can I address a controversy from the previous episode, which... Ooh, please do. We haven't been cancelled at the time of recording, but I have no doubt that we will have been by the time this goes out. Um, So I googled, and it does turn out that whether this is true or not, many people on the internet believe that it is possible to cook bacon in a microwave. There are many, many, many recipes for it, some of which claim that the bacon comes out crispy. Um, And I have my doubts, but I will acknowledge that um, this is a dearly held belief of many people in the world. So is (laughs) QAnon, Karen. I know. uh, And we're not going to go there, okay? (laughs) This, I suppose, maybe some kind of magic happens when you put it between, uh, uh, like, sheets of kitchen roll, which is allegedly what you're supposed to do. I don't know. I'm not going to try it because it still sounds terrible. Um, 
Uh, and I question your wisdom, but I acknowledge that it's, this is a thing that people try to do. Like many things that people try to do on the internet that I'm not inclined to try doing. Thank you, Karen, for clarifying that there are more people who are wrong than I previously thought. <laughs> I, they are wrong. I don't feel like this was a very successful apology video. <laughs> I, I don't think we're trying to be apolo- I mean, it, I, okay, someday I will sacrifice one rasher and see how that goes. <laughs> Okay, here you you have it here, folks. Because I guess if you microwave it, you can then like grill it to get it crispy if it's monkey or fry it. Okay, but can you video it for the Patreon? Oh yeah, our, our Patreon that we have. That exists. Yes, sure. <laughs> I'll record it for the Patreon. Yeah, we'll put it up on the socials. Yeah, exactly. All, all you get ever if you subscribe to the Patreon <laughs> is a video of Eva <laughs> microwaving her one sheet of bacon. <laughs> I'd pay five dollars for that. In perpetuity? <laughs> Probably not, no. I mean, that sounds like a real niche OnlyFans content, but okay. Yeah, we need to decide which which direction do we want to go with our paywall content. Are we going Patreon <laughs> or OnlyFans? Tell us in the comments, folks. <laughs> yeah. It's still going to be a bacon video either way, so don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, we just want to know what the vibe should be. I mean, it's it's cute that you think I'll do different videos for the two. <laughs> Just do a slightly sexier voice if it's for OnlyFans. <laughs> I don't think I can do a sexy voice. I only have this one. I've certainly never heard you do a sexy voice. Yeah, I, I mean, it might have happened by accident occasionally, but I'm actually completely incapable of being sexy on purpose. I, I, it's like, if, if I'm in a situation where I'm expected to be sexy, I just sort of freeze up and act even goofier than usual. It's terrible. <laughs> Well, next time that happens, you can just imagine that you're microwaving some bacon and use the voice that you would use. <laughs> this is actually somewhat relevant to me, by the way, just for people because I LARP and sometimes you might have to like play another character, like a, a bad guy or someone to come in and give information or whatever. And sometimes they're expected to be sexy and I'm just mm. like, oh, I can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of want to see that though. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Microwaving bacon. Put it on the to-do list. Remind me in a few months. <laughs> cool all right so if anyone was waiting for an apology from us this is as close as you're gonna get so um (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) anyway this book this book yes um so we open with uh stacy on the train from new york um she is on her way back from a visit to her dad and she's telling us about uh her divorced parents and whatnot and I actually genuinely laughed at this. Um, so she says that every now and then, whenever she feels like it, she gets to go on a fun-filled, action-packed, all-expenses-paid weekend in the glamorous Big Apple New York City, as they say on the game shows. Then she admits that she's only going because her parents are broken up and that their divorce was not, in fact, fun-filled, but it was kind of action-packed. <laughs> <laughs> I have that line as well. That's so good. I know. That <laughs> was when I decided I liked this ghostwriter. <laughs> Yes. Three paragraphs it's, in. It's very wry and quirky. Like yes. and actually the whole um the whole chapter works really well. It's the chap it's it's not chapter two, it's chapter one this time, but she's like giving us context in quite a seamless way when like looking out the window of a train is probably a good time to like have the info dump because you could your mind could be wandering. It's better than holding a casserole. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, yeah. 
sitting at the dinner table with your family yelling at you to pay attention. Yeah, she 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 stares out the window, she montages, she tells us about her fun weekend in New York. Yeah. They went to a cafe that she loves because the waiters are cute <laughs> and it has a lot of omelette options. She tells us what a cappuccino is because it's 1991. Yeah. I was utterly charmed by that. And uh, yeah, so she gives us the whole weekend and she intersperses the information that she needs to drop in between a description of the stuff that she's been doing, much of which is food focused. Like, this is brilliant. This is what I like. Yes. <laughs> this is yeah. almost like it's been written by someone competent. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. You had time to do it right, as opposed to, you know, I'm not saying that like the other books are written by incompetent writers, but like mm-hmm. they are written by people who don't have time to do this right. Yeah. Or are completely burned out on the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, one thing I have marked in this chapter is that uh, she's talking about her, one of her favorite stories, Fiorici. So I decided to look it up. Mm hmm. Uh, to see, like, was it real? What kind of stuff it sold? I don't know what it sold in 1990 other than outrageous purple suede jackets but and fancy sunglasses. But now, uh, if you go to Furichi, uh you can buy a $140 crochet bikini. <laughs> <gasps> what? So, it is full of absolute overpriced bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I had a quick look at their, their stuff as well. Um, it's kind of, it looks like even in the 80s, it was kind of 70s-ish, like it was kind of retro. It was a lot of like bright colors and kind of huh. stuff, like disco style stuff, seems like there was a lot of, but actually I believe their New York store had gone out of business by the late 80s. They were like oh. rapidly going into decline. So I think this is like, <laughs> this is a fashion AU where you can still buy a suede jacket at Fiorucci's in the early 90s. It's really cool. When I Googled them, it still said their flagship store was in New York. They reopened. Oh, they, they like ah. relaunched in the ah, late nineties. Yes, when the when the seventies were cool again. Yes, so, yeah. <laughs> I think their stuff now isn't very seventies. It's just kind of no. horrible. But <laughs> well, I mean, everything being crocheted is very seventies. But no, the the styling is generally yes. not seventies. Yeah. They do have like this kind of funky looking watermelon print stuff, which is like, <laughs> yeah, if that was ten euro and pennies, I'd buy it. <laughs> Um, so yeah yeah as a crocheter I can say with confidence that every kind of beginner crochet book has in, in among the slightly harder projects towards the end a crochet bikini um, and they all look like they would like the second you got within visual distance of water they would just sag and start to drag off you <laughs> they look terrible <laughs> like there's no reason you would ever make this project except that you are honing your skills and you've done every other project in the book <laughs> so like i can't believe somebody would buy a crochet bikini what that makes no sense it's only for foisting on your relatives when you're a beginning crafter <laughs> 140 dollars oh man if only i'd known <laughs> anyone want to buy a crochet bikini off me <laughs> No. <laughs> I'll give it to you for next birthday. I hate you. You should crochet a few and sell them to Fiorucci's. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. It's a nice acrylic yarn, yeah. <laughs> People love that. Oh. Hey, at least that wouldn't absorb water. Uh, <laughs> oh god, it would. It would be even worse. <laughs> it, would it would be that horrible here. mixture of like having sort of absorbed some water but still being plasticky and dry against your... Oh. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to make millions. Uh, yeah, so she has a great time in New York and we yeah, get to hear about yeah. it. And there's bagels and there's cappuccinos. Yes, we get a Lane cameo. We get a Dr. Claudia Werner shout out. <laughs> oh 
yeah. Yeah. Stacy's having fun. She's having a good time. Um, uh, she handles her mom's disappointment, disappointed feelings about the fact she went out of town <laughs> very smoothly and elegantly. It's all good. Everyone's coming up Stacy. Um, she goes over to the club meeting then. Uh, she gives us a chapter two while she's walking over there. Tells us about the club and everyone who's in it. Um, again, this kind of, like, even though it's the obligatory chapter two and it's never going to be great, it kind of mm-hmm. whizzes along at a good pace. Like, she gets through it pretty quickly. There's no, yeah. like, mm. awkward racial howlers. It's it's fine. It's like... Yes. She describes Claudia as Japanese-American and doesn't use any colourful... Um, like uh, adjectives <laughs> to yeah. describe her. Um, and then she says that Jessie is a really nice black girl, which is like so much more <laughs> seamless than previous. It's an adjective used to describe her along with nice. Yeah. Yay! And, and also placed in a context where the she's had a, the reason that she has for mentioning Jessie's ethnicity is that she's moved here recently and she's really good friends with Mallory and that's been really helpful in helping her get through the bullshit racism that Stony Brook has exposed her to, um, which is bullshit. And yes. like As opposed to the really um the the really the really uh smooth way they used to frequently do it of like, oh, one more thing that's different about Mallory and Jessie, by the way. <laughs> Not that we notice or care, but... But yeah. brace yourself, reader. <laughs> yeah. Check out this girl. She's an anomaly. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's good. It's, um, it's Yeah, it's nicely handled. It's a good chapter two. It was, it was yes. a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter three, the plot arrives. <laughs> We're at the meeting and Mallory announces that the old house at the end of Elm Street is being torn down. Um, Claudia is very upset because it's a historical house and we get some some exposition about like how they got around the planning regulations. Uh, <laughs> basically, they have to like salvage all the architectural cool bits like the fireplace and the vintage plumbing and stuff. And then they get to knock down the house and build apartments. Also um, a little shade on some giant corporation for buying the house, um, even though it was protected. How did they manage that? Who knows? <laughs> Yes, they have vulture funds in Stony Brook too, apparently. (laughs) Yay. Look, that civic centre's got to get funded somehow. (laughs) Good point. Oh my God, big civic centre is behind all of this. (laughs) Yeah, they they talk a bit about that. Um, They make babysitting plans. We find out what kid kits are. Uh, Then they get a call from the Johansons. Um, So Charlotte Johansson's granddad is having surgery. And so her parents Mm -hmm. want to go out and be with him. But they don't want Charlotte to miss school, so they want to know if Charlotte can come and stay with either Jessie or Stacy for a week uh, while her parents go and deal with this situation. That sounds like a big ask, but I think because it's Charlotte, it's fine. Yeah. Mm. Like, I'm like, could you imagine the Radowskis doing that? (laughs) (laughs) No, you would want, like, danger money for that. (laughs) It's like, no, have you considered hiring a zookeeper? Yeah. Like... (laughs) Or a pet center. Oh boy. <laughs> yes. Jesse's yeah. like, I tell them I'm not here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Stacy's mom says that's fine, they can take Charlotte for the week. It like it is very generous that they're apparently doing this for free, but Yeah. So next chapter, um yeah, Stacy gets everything ready for Charlotte to come stay. Uh she sets up the guest room nicely and provides teddy bears and dolls and toys and some reading material, which is very sweet, and puts flowers <laughs> in a vase. It's adorable. 
So I remembered this really well. I was like, oh, wow, it sounds so cool. And now as an adult, I was reading this and going, so her mum had picked up some cool sheets at a charity shop, um, which have Raggedy Ann on them. And I'm just picturing Esther lying rigidly <laughs> in this bed. You know, last last episode, we went through all the things that we would like, that was like each of our individual kryptonite, but we did not think of Raggedy Ann sheets. <laughs> Can't sleep, doll's going to eat me. <laughs> Yeah, this wouldn't be my scene. I'm glad Charlotte enjoyed it, and I'm glad this didn't happen to me. <laughs> I guess I'm picturing giant Raggedy Ann's, whereas it's probably like a tiny little print. Yeah. I don't know. I'm also a bit scared of the one-eyed teddy bear, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but Charlotte appreciates it, and that's what matters. That's very important, Aww. yes. Um, Charlotte is not appreciating being dropped off with the McGills, though. Um, she mm-hmm. is very upset and crying, and uh, Stacy's feelings are a little bit hurt. Uh, but she um sort of gets that under control and tries to cheer Charlotte up. But uh, mm-hmm. Charlotte is quite anxious and keeps asking lots and lots of questions about um her granddad's operation and surgery mm-hmm. and is he going to die and what is anesthetics and everything uh, can they put in a zipper instead of stitches uh. <laughs> yes i love that and stacy's like that's not practical <laughs> yes oh the infection risk yes <laughs> they can't clean that <laughs> yeah i mean ideally we won't be opening this up again so no. <laughs> ever that's yes. true we're hoping this is single use <laughs> so yeah she's she's really having to kind of um, scrabble to keep Charlotte distracted. They're playing like endless board games and card games, uh, mm. including War, which I had forgotten about. But I do re- reading the description. I do remember actually playing this as a kid. Wow, um, <laughs> it's not very challenging, and it would get really boring after twelve games. I can see why <laughs> Stacy is so cranky about it by the end. Yeah. She's like, I taught her this uh, out of desperation, and I regretted it even so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I mean, I think it's nice to have that because, like, a lot of the babysitting descriptions can be a bit, and everything was just lovely. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless there are comical yes. mishaps. Whereas, actually, the hard part about babysitting is, like, like the games small children want to play are quite dull when you're older than them, but you have yep. to play them with them. See, also Candyland. <laughs> yes. There's quite a lot of that in this book, actually. There's yeah. a lot of, like, ah, kids doing kid stuff. Oh, I'm glad that they're happy, but Jesus. <laughs> I'm so tired of doing kid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a realistic depiction of like a week long babysitting assignment. You would get quite tired after a while. Oh yeah, God, like yeah. I really like it that they mm-hmm. have that that they that they have that in there and that they don't have it be like a big problem for the babysitters who are like, Oh, this is the job. Yep. You know. Yeah. Sometimes you've just gotta play your hundred and fifty millionth game of war. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so Stacy is really like she's she's given it a hundred and ten percent. She's very mm. patient and she's working very hard at this. Um, she puts Charlotte to bed, finally reads her to sleep, um, does her homework. Uh, we get lo- so many book recommendations in this, yes, in this book. Yes, quite um, a lot. <laughs> so Charlotte likes Charlotte's Web, obviously, and The Long Winter, uh, which I also approve of. Um, mm-hmm. And Stacy is reading Summer of My German Soldier, uh, which, oh my god, that book destroyed me as a teenager. I think I read it when I was about 15 and I was like, stayed up sobbing so much the night I finished it. It was very good. I never read <laughs> oh god, it. I remember no. I used to see it in the library a lot and then 
I kind of had stopped going to the library for some reason by the time I was old enough to care about something involving like a romance. <laughs> Ellen Miles clearly likes the whole Anna Martin like drive-by recommends books things and she's decided to run <laughs> yes. with it. I wonder yes. if Anna Martin issues all the ghostwriters with like a list of approved texts that you could drop in and Ooh. this ghostwriter was like, oh yeah, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, she's got some for each age group. So yeah, it's like yeah. Stacey's kind of older teen YA yeah. fiction and then um, Charlotte era. And then there's also the younger kids later on go to the library and have stories yes, read to them, which also them. includes yes. like Newbery award winners to a man, I imagine. <laughs> to be honest, I, I just, I, when I read something like that, I just assume that like, this is a person who fondly remembers these books and would love for you to enjoy them too. Yes. That's all it is. <laughs> I don't think there is a like an Anne M. Barton approved list, otherwise they'd all have book wrecks in them. This is just yeah, the true. person writing this book is like, I'd imagine that's one of the things she loves about the other books. It's like, <laughs> I love the way she keeps recommending books in these. I'm going to recommend so many books. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make people read books. I read The Phantom Tollbooth on the recommendation of, that's one of Karen's favourites. Uh, um, yeah. And it's great. I love it. It's very good. <laughs> Although A Monkey Stole It Off Me, so I haven't read it for years. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> <sighs> Stacey and Charlotte are getting on pretty well. Yep. They're hanging out after school, eating Triscuits with mustard and cheese, uh, which hmm. Stacy says yum, and I'll let her have that, but uh, it wouldn't be for me now. Charlotte's feeling a bit off. And they're like, ah, you're probably grand. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's not feverish, so Stacy figures she's just that kind of homesick where it gives you a itchy throat and dizziness, um, <laughs> which is apparently a thing. Um, then to pass the time, they go for a walk down past the old house that's being torn down. Um, so it's spooky and atmospheric and there's no security at all. The builders have gone home for the day so they can just like wander around the yard uh, where it's all overgrown and stuff. And they're having fun, like checking the place out and admiring all the little turrets and stuff. And I'm really pissed off that this house is getting knocked down because it sounds cool. It does. Yep. Stacy then sees a face in the window, dun dun dun, mm -hmm. but then it shortly disappears, and then she hears a clanking sound like chains being dragged across the floors, and then she goes around the back, and they see a giant swarm of gross flies, just like in the Amityville Horror. Yep. <laughs> so Stacy tells us that the Amityville Horror is the scariest thing she's ever seen it's about a family that moves into a house that has ghosts or spirits in it and all these horrible things keep happening the flies were the least of it believe me <laughs> yeah apparently um, they just faked everything yeah <laughs> um, and then yeah. they made a shitty movie about it which like does not seem to have been well received at the time and is not fondly remembered now it's got like 30% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> I I think it was um I think it sparked off a lot of other stuff apparently but it could be just a lot of people looking at it going I could probably do this better now in fairness <laughs> I think quite possibly yeah there's there's also domestic violence undercurrents apparently which is like oh, um in the in the actual real life yeah people's yeah making up a, a horror film but oh yeah, yeah a bunch of people got murdered um like for reals. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't let my thirteen-year-old watch it. Yeah, I yeah. So I remembered that, and I had it in my head that the Amityville Horror was going to be absolutely incredibly terrifying. So I still have not seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think I I did some googling this morning, and I don't think it's actually that scary. But like, hmm. it it sounds like medium scary, I guess. But like, not really age appropriate. Basically, 
if I didn't watch a horror movie in my kind of age, 15 to 20, I've got to watch horror movies to prove that I'm tough enough to watch horror movies and not be scared, period. Mm-hmm. Then I'm not going to see the horror movie because I'm not into horror movies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't catch the Amityville horror, so... Um, <laughs> I do think I've been binging um, You're Wrong About recently. Yes. And they do a lot of like reminiscing about movies they watched as kids and young mm-hmm. teens and stuff. Um, and for sure, it seems like watching like what would be 15s or 18s rated horror movies here seems to be something people do between the age of 11 and 15 over there. Oh boy. <laughs> like it seems to be a real thing of, well, the whole point is to terrify yourself. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it does seem to be a, 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 a thing. I, I'd noticed that in other places as well, but then I was like, am I, or, or I thought I'd noticed that from like cultural osmosis. Then I'm like, did I just get that from the Babysitter's <laughs> Club? Um, but no, I, I don't think so. I, I, I do think that like... So here's the thing. Like I can totally buy that and I don't really like, I accept that. That's fine. It's just that in the context of the Babysitter's Club, like yeah. these girls are normally very straight-laced and are like not doing things they shouldn't do ever, except for the fact that Marianne is a fucking Stephen King stan. <laughs> and these girls have like unbridled access to whatever horror movies they want to watch. And like that just seems very jarring compared to everything else about their lifestyles and media consumption. Yeah, they have a, also a wide variety of different interests that are not shared in yeah. most cases, um, but all of them have seen quite a lot of horror films. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I, most of my horror movie consumption was at kind of teen girl birthday party yeah. type of things, sleepovers. So, but like, I don't know whether some of those were done in, like imitation of this kind of media <laughs> probably like, it's like oh yeah that's what girls do yeah because the babysitters club told me let's let's go down to extra vision and get it out because yeah i saw it at a um like a 14th birthday party oh my god we were so scared I, we i remember we all watched it at laura's sleepover and then we were all too scared yes. to go to the toilet afterwards <laughs> yeah. it is really scary it's very it very scary originally it yeah i can't believe marianne has probably seen it yeah, yeah. she has and like the book is worse Yes, <laughs> I I couldn't read the book. Like I I watched it as a teenager when I was in that like horror movie of like I've desensitized myself by watching the X Files. I'm gonna watch horror movies now. Babe. <laughs> um, but like I remember I read the book in my like early to mid twenties and was like, no, I'm just gonna stop because I want to sleep. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Stephen King is like genuinely very very good. At what yeah. he does, yeah. There's a so there's a mention of Pet Cemetery later on, yes. and I was like, "Fuck, yeah!" Because I saw the movie as a full blown adult and was like, "That's pretty scary." But when I read the book, I was about fourteen, and I was just like, "No, I, I'm not. I'm never going to sleep again. This is this this whole concept is just." I knew going in that it was going to be fucking terrifying, <laughs> and I was just like, "Turn the page, turn, 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 turn." turn. It was oh. so like, oh no, um, like. It was great, though. <laughs> like, it's a fucking classic. I mean, yeah, he's very effective, like, at scaring the shit out of you. But, like, it's just hilarious because these girls are normally so wholesome and yes, everything they do yes, is they so really wholesome are. and geared towards wholesomeness, except for this. It's like, yeah. what does Anna M. Martin recommend? Newbury award-winning young adult literature and horror movies. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> they're totally unapologetic about it as well. Like, no, it's nobody's guilty pleasure. It's just yeah, like stuff like, that they've watched. <laughs> yeah, and like even the television shows, it's like extremely wholesome family fare from the 60s, usually. Mm-hmm. Sesame Street. And horror movies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's all that's on, yeah. ever. <laughs> yeah, it's so jarring and I love it. Uh, so yes, there's a terrifying swarm of flies. Um, Stacy gets Amityville horror flashbacks. Um, and then they hear a weird, creepy moaning sound. <laughs> and Stacy, who briefly resolved that a spooky old house wasn't going to get the better of her, decides that actually the spooky old house has totally gotten the better of her. And they run home. <laughs> Sometimes that's a wise decision. Yep. Yeah. yeah Stacy has like final girl energy. She's going to survive. Yep. <laughs> So next, she brings Charlotte to the Babysitter's Club meeting, which mm-hmm. Charlotte is adorably very excited about and wants to know if she has to play, pay club dues and is a bit disappointed that she doesn't. <laughs> so Stacy tells everybody about what they saw at the house and the other girls suggest uh, mundane explanations for things. Mm-hmm. Um and Stacy's like, no, there's no mundane explanation for this. But then she realizes that Charlotte looks a bit scared. So she um, mm-hmm. changes the subject and they let Charlotte answer the phone. And Charlotte is very excited about this. And it's very cute. <laughs> then we have a babysitting chapter. Uh, Christy is babysitting her siblings. There's a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Karen Brewer is telling scary stories about morbid destiny. Uh, yeah. They're not even things that happened. They're things that she thinks might someday happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other kids are like, oh my God, is that really going to happen? Like, no. <laughs> yes, hilariously. Morbid of Destiny has allegedly threatened to put a spell on Boo Boo where he'll still look like Boo Boo and he'll still come when they call him, but something will be different. He won't purr anymore and his tongue will be cold as ice. <laughs> And the Andrew and David Michael are absolutely terrified of this. They're such easy marks. They are. To be fair, I think the cold tongue is a really imaginative touch. Like, yeah, that you could totally imagine that that had actually happened later. Um, yeah, no, she's she's very plausible. She's probably writing conspiracy theories. <laughs> like, I think we we discussed this before, but yeah, she's really good at like getting into that space where you could make someone believe that the thing you said or the thing that they think you said is actually (laughs) true. And they're like, oh my God, she's a prophet. And that's why she's banned from the playground. (laughs) (laughs) For good reason. Oh, Karen. So yes, Christy is trying to settle all the kids then. They're all scared. Um, It's atmospheric. She's worried about old Ben Brewer. Uh, There's thunder and lightning. She has to read them five chapters of Ozma of Oz because they're reading all the Oz books, more book recs. <laughs> uh, she sings them their favourite lullabies, including David Michaels, which is the Ghostbusters song. <laughs> like, that is... That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh, my three-year-old was in the back of the car singing this very sweet little tune that I couldn't quite identify, so I asked him what it was, and he said, it's the Smith's Toy Shop song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, kids can just enjoy whatever music. They don't assign a value to it. So, like, yes. you know, and I think that's very pure. <laughs> um, So Christy is sort of pacing around the house mid-thunderstorm and all the other kids are asleep. And she wanders down to Watson's library and she finds an incredibly convenient box of old books that Watson just bought at an estate sale. Old books about Stony Brook. The history of Stony Brook <laughs> with an E on the end. <laughs> um, can I just say right now, actually, that um, my notes app is determined that this book is called Stacy and the Mystery of Stony Batter. 
<laughs> oh my god, I want an entire spin-off book about Billy the Bull. <laughs> yes. Billy the Bull? Billy the Bull is a legend from Stony Batter, which, if you're not from Dublin, is a, a very old area in the centre of Dublin. Where my, my mum w- grew up as a small kid and got to see the <laughs> the, the, the horrible side of like 1960s Dublin. <laughs> but yeah. All Sorry of 1960s Dublin was horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Say, what was the good side? Did she see Billy the Bowl? She has never mentioned seeing Billy the Bowl. I, I believe there was just like a lot of cowpats for somewhere that is ostensibly the capital city <laughs> of a country. Like, Well, it was very near the cattle market, so that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yes, Billy the Bowl was allegedly a guy in like the 17th or 18th century or something who he didn't have legs so he went around in a bowl on wheels yeah it seems like this is a really early wheelchair yes basically it's 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 a bowl on wheels but he got really strong like arms from pushing himself around all the time and he decided to use them for strangling <laughs> so he would like bowl up behind people and strangle them with his incredibly muscular arms and legend says that his ghost still like bowls around the streets of Stony Batter and will strangle you if you're not careful <laughs> there used to be a bronze sculpture of him in Bewley's yes in Bewley's cafe on, on Grafton Street I saw it it was it was unnerving you didn't want to turn your back on it I will say <laughs> that's really cool and maybe the statue kind of absorbed all the energy from the ghost or whatever. And that's why Beulies went out of business. <laughs> okay. The uh, the little biography I just found about him online uh, doesn't mention him struggling people. It does say, um, Billy apparently was a handsome man with a striking face, dark eyes and powerful arms and body. He was graced with great charm. He became a favourite of the maids and servant girls working in the great houses of North Dublin and they plied him with food, drink, money and it has been suggested sexual favours. <laughs> it would be. It was said that he occasionally robbed from wealthy women who stopped to give him alms and that since he was readily identifiable followed robbery with murder. Ah, so there's why he killed people. There's the strangling. Because they'd be like, yeah, it was the guy in the bowl and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on one occasion in 1786, he attempted to rob two women. They overpowered him by pulling his hair and sticking a thumb in his eye. Fair play to them. Some hours later, male friends of the two women captured Billy in a hedge near the back of the Royal Barracks and conveyed him to custody using a wheelbarrow. Convicted of robbery, robbery Billy was sent to Newgate Prison where he saw it his days doing hard labour. Huh. <laughs> and he gets a mention in Finnegan's Wake. He would. Yeah, that's yeah. not special. Everybody. It's just like a long <laughs> list of random people. Like, obviously, Joyce is going to talk about him. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Well, there we go. No. That's the mystery of Stony Batter. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a mystery. Not he does really. not feature in the rest of this book, um, tragically. Uh. It, it, and it's the poorer <laughs> for it. <laughs> so yes, Christy reads about um, Old Stony Brook. She can't find much about the spooky house, but then she finds a crumbly piece of paper with a hand-drawn map um, that does show a few houses in their... Bradford Court adjacent neighbourhood, a bank and a church, and the spooky old house. And it appears to Christy in way it's described really unclearly. Um, but there's like weird illegible writing, and it appears that the entire sto- town of Stony Brook has been built over ancient burial grounds, and the spooky house was built on the most sacred spot of all. Which I kept waiting for a reveal on what that meant exactly, and yeah. it, it's not really uh, ever articulated. No, yeah. it's not. 
Um, and I'm wondering if there's like topography lines that are like from the most sacred to the least <laughs> sacred. That's um, uh, I I was reading this and I was like, the entire town? The entire town? That's a lot of burial grounds. Stony Brook is big and it doesn't say the entire like old town of Stony Brook, which is localized to like one street. Yeah, she says the entire town. What ancient burial grounds are we talking about here? Um, Like... They actually, so later in the book, right, they use the term Indian, like as in yeah. Native American. Yeah. And I'm like, so they didn't use it here. Whose ancient burial grounds are these? Is this just like an incredible number of colonists? <laughs> like, I don't think the word ancient applies in any way to like <laughs> colonial era America. That's it's not ancient. I think that must be referring to Native American burial ground. But it's very unclear. And it doesn't say what she's actually reading. Yeah, like, what are the labels on this? How, how in, in what way has it indicated that these are ancient and burial and grounds? And, <laughs> like, the sacredness levels. Yeah, first, <laughs> yes. first she can't make it out, and then she goes, oh, it's an ancient burial ground, and the sacredness peaks right here. <laughs> uh, and, like, yeah. the, we needed some intermediate figuring out scenes. This is so dumb. <laughs> My only my only explanation for this is that Christy goes from zero to drama and like I kept waiting for this to be revealed as like this is a map of like the underground water water drainage of the Stony Brook area <laughs> yes. or it's some kind of geology thing. I am assuming Christy is really bad at reading maps based on this. <laughs> yeah. like, yes. Like that's not all of Stony Brook. No. <laughs> the 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 notion that towns get bigger and like expand outwards as time goes on, isn't... Like, surely even young people know that. <laughs> like, I mean, it's acknowledged in, I think, this chapter where they talk about how um, obviously it didn't have so-and-so's neighbourhood because that was all farms at the time. Yeah. Like, so they do know, these girls, the towns get bigger. So it was just farms and giant cemeteries. Yes. <laughs> in those days. <laughs> Yeah, Oof. it's very confusing. Um, Christy gets super spooked. Uh, she has entirely brought this on herself. <laughs> and then she gets a terrifying sense that something is watching her. There's a presence in the room. She packs the books away in the box. She turns around. Sam and Charlie are staring at her from the doorway. <laughs> and making horrible faces. <laughs> and she wheezes herself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they didn't stop laughing for at least half an hour. I mean, that's pretty bad. But but, but also that's kind of on brand for... Yeah. Yeah. They might be high again. <laughs> yes, that's they fair. probably are. They have a good sense that like their younger sister is spooked. <laughs> yes. So this isn't something they've done before, but like they're like, now would be a really good time to just go and like leer at her. <laughs> so Stacy is back at home um, and she's woken by Charlotte who is feverish and sick and miserable mm-hmm. um, so they have to take her to the pediatrician oh my god <laughs> Dr. Dellenkamp crazily Stacy's mom drives them to the doctors they go to the waiting room the waiting room looks kind of busy so Stacy's mom decides to leave and go do some grocery shopping and mm-hmm. Stacy can just take Charlotte into the doctor. <laughs> I will point out that as well as that, there is an uh, a cute boy who Stacy is kind of just like like noticing, who also appears to be there with a younger sibling, like a no adult, 
and a girl about Stacy's age sitting there alone. So this is just a paediatrician's office full of unsupervised teenagers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Also, yes, it's hilarious. Stacy is bored, uh, so she's looking at the reading material and she chooses has to choose between 1979 Reader's Digest and <laughs> Highlights for Children. So she's paging through Highlights for Children and reflecting on how gallant is a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> and then the hot boy comes in and she inst- instantly has to drop it and pretend she would totally never do such a th- gauche thing as to read Highlights for Children. <laughs> and she interprets his facial expression as like, oh yeah, no, I get it. I get where you're coming from. And she's still embarrassed. Like, But she's still so mortified she can't, yeah. like, she avoids eye contact with him for the rest of yeah. the visit. <laughs> I was reading a magazine that was in the waiting room. I'm so humiliated. <laughs> I was reading a children's magazine at the pediatrician's. Yeah. This is so inappropriate. Yeah. Like, the the thing about all the unsupervised kids is quite strange. Like, just, I'm pretty sure that if I was Stacey's age and I was sick, my parents would still have gone with me. Yes. Like, I was a fair bit older before I started taking myself to the doctor. My parents brought me to the doctor when I was in my early 20s. I don't yeah. think you can legally consent to medical t- treatment until you're, like, at least 16. Like, you definitely need an adult. <laughs> Maybe Dr. Dellenkamp is just so used to Stony Brook being run on, like, absentee parents and babysitting teenage (laughs) labour. And Christie's gumption. Maybe they've, like, signed some kind of waiver. (laughs) Babysitters have power of attorney. Yes! (laughs) So she takes Charlotte in. Um, It's tonsillitis again. Charlotte's back on the old penicillin, says Dr. Dellenkamp. Um, I like the uh, the Dr. Dellenkamp saying, well, we're going to have to do something about those tonsils, but your parents are away right now, so I guess we probably can have Stacey sign off on you getting your tonsils out. Yeah! <laughs> God, Dr. Dellenkamp, you're so by the book. <laughs> I, I love the sh- the like the call out later on where Charlotte has recovered but is still taking her antibiotic. Yes, it's so um, responsible. Yeah. Yes. And like, yeah, even though she felt fine, she had to finish the bottle. Like, yes. Yeah, she does. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Go babysitting book. You tell those bacteria. Yeah. So yeah, Charlotte is not keen on taking her liquid penicillin. She complains and complains and complains. Um, mm. Stacy is getting very annoyed. She tries to bribe her with an ice cream soda, even though she knows she shouldn't, but it doesn't work anyway, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> then she decides to like do a diabetes flex, basically, mm-hmm. and she shows Charlotte like all her diabetes accoutrements. Uh, she shows her how she tests her blood sugar with a little like blood testing machine, mm. and tells her about injections, but she doesn't show her the injections because she thinks that might be too scary. Um, and about like basically what a massive faff it is to like manage her diabetes. And Charlotte is suitably mm-hmm. impressed and decides that penicillin is maybe not such a big deal. Uh, so hmm. she takes her medicine. Hooray! Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty logical for um an eight year old who's like refusing to take medication. But like, yeah, good, good. I'm glad this worked for everybody. Um, me, I'm much more of the kind of parent who bribes. Like, even like ice cream sodas from here to next week. Like, I would absolutely have bribed too. But. Yeah, I'd like to develop this kind of relationship with a child where they're like so in awe of my abilities to do something that they will emulate me. Good luck with that. Yeah. I yeah. think you have to be a cool babysitter for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, think a mom can do that. Not a regular boring parent. <laughs> no. I remember when I was around Charlotte's age, I had to take iron supplements mm. in liquid form. Mm. and I was a picky eater I did not like having to eat things that I didn't like 
And yeah, I had to take this every day for however long. And I whined about it incessantly every (laughs) single time. I never adjusted to it and just sucked it up. Um, Not all of the heartening stories in the world would have made me stop whining about it. Um, Not my granddad telling me that when he was my age, he had to chew horseshoes for iron. (laughs) Not my father telling me about two men he looked after in the hospital and they both had to take a full glass of horrible tasting medicine every day. Looking back on this, he made it up. Uh, But you know, I didn't know that at the time. A full glass of horrible tasting medicine every day and one of them would whinge about it and look at the glass and take half an hour and take little drinks at a time and it took him forever and he had about half an hour having to drink this stuff every morning and the other one would just suck it up, hold his nose and down the glass in one and then he could get on with his day. Like it was Catherine the Great and a glass of horse. (laughs) Ew! (laughs) Sorry for interjecting with that. (laughs) (laughs) That is the fastest nerdist you've ever lowered the tone of anything, Karen. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, Eva. please continue your story. Well, all I was thinking of was the fact that I'm like drinking prune juice every morning and I, I like have yeah. this anecdote in my head. <laughs> it works on me now that I'm 39. <laughs> but like as an eight year old, like that had no effect on me whatsoever. So Charlotte's taken her cough bottle and <laughs> it's making her feel better. Good. Uh, Stacy is very sick of looking after her all weekend and playing Clue and reading Charlotte's Web and playing War some more. Mm. Um, so Charlotte's feeling well enough to get out and about a bit. So she decides that they will go poke around the haunted house some more mm-hmm. uh, as a wholesome recovery activity. So she gets Christy <laughs> over and Christy, does she bring the map or just tell them about the map? No, she brings the map on the box of books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlotte's very excited. Then Stacy, Stacy makes an assertion that I think we're all going to have issue with. Yes, <laughs> which is that Charlotte is great at solving mysteries and recently played a big part in solving the mystery of an old diary that Mallory found in a trunk in the attic. She like, did in yeah. her arse. Citation needed. Yes. Uh-huh. If you have forgotten, listeners, or are not as like angry about this as we still are <laughs> Charlotte's entire contribution was saying to Stacy, do you know what though sometimes things aren't as they seem that was it that was yeah. all she did that was not being a pretty good sleuth Stacy. Stacy went away um being like god that feels so meaningful <laughs> I should muse on this for like several days until <laughs> I work out what the the import of it is and it was basically like, oh, I went away and solved a mystery. And then was like, oh, my protege came up with the idea. This is a stretch. This is I a giant stretch. I think that this ghostwriter would not have done that. No. I also like that the ghostwriter is like, back then we thought my house might be haunted, but that was nothing compared to what we were facing now. <laughs> Ellen yes. Miles knows that we want a ghosts a real book. We do not want a there's yes. some junk in the attic book. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and we definitely don't want to there might be a ghost but no you're just never getting the ghost book which we've had on in at least two super specials yeah yeah um so yes no ella miles is is coming through for us yes (laughs) we greatly appreciate it uh so they look at the map they agree that the map is very confusing uh stacy says 
she's not sure if it does show the entire town being built on burial grounds, actually. Mm-hmm. It has weird signs and symbols. There's no proof that it's actually super old. Christy and Charlotte are like, no, we love the drama. Shut up. It's super old. And the entire town is built on a burial ground. <laughs> they are correct to have that attitude, yes. even if wrong about their interpretation of the lamp. Exactly. They're in a babysitter's club book. You have to buy into the drama. I also love that she speculates on... um how Lane would react in this kind of situation yes. and if, if Lane got into a New York mystery it would be something like who stole the Countess's jewels from the hotel safe or does the ghost of Elvis haunt the Hard Rock Cafe yeah. yes <laughs> I love that Lane will only accept New York based mysteries thank you sophisticated New York based mysteries yeah. these are not about like subway ghosts can I say I feel real bad for Elvis if he's stuck haunting the fucking Hard Rock Cafe. I know, right? Um, but also, this is the one that prompted me to to like start thinking about, can a ghost be haunting, a ghost of a single person be haunting more than one place at once? Because that feels like, you know, like, like a, above their pay grade, to be quite honest. I guess it depends. It depends. Like, are, is this the stone tape hypothesis? Because I think yeah, I was about to say, like, if you go with yeah. the stone tape hypothesis, obviously they can. They can if be you anywhere. Think the ghosts yeah. are actually the soul of a dead person. Then no, because everyone only has one of those. Well, yeah. Like personally, I've been a fan of the stone tape hypothesis since I was about eleven. So uh-huh. okay, so yeah. Well, then, so I actually did look this up, and I was like, queens would be good for this royalty, and I couldn't find an instance of any monarch haunting sure. more than one place at a time. But Elvis, though, Elvis and Marilyn Monroe are all over the fucking place. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a, th- these are the kind of celebrities that are found in more than one place. However, the article I read also was like, this is probably more to do with people getting real attached to their favourite celebrities. Oh, that's <laughs> no fun. Like, um, but like... Parasocial stone tape. Parasocial stone <laughs> Like, as we all know, like, was Elvis even in New York? I mean, I'm sure he went there. It's not a big part of his mythos, though. Like, yeah, like, um, like there's literally a song that has him haunting um, Union Avenue in Memphis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like he's from the South. He's going to be that in that part of the world. He's going to be haunting Graceland. Yeah, like, yeah let's exactly. face it. <laughs> or maybe, maybe somewhere he played a lot in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. There's no particular reason for him to be in the Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah. And Lane should know that. Lane is just like, obviously, Elvis would want to haunt the most glamorous location I can think of in New York. (laughs) Why would you want to be in the South? That's true. That's just ridiculous. (laughs) New York is the centre of the world, so Mm -hmm. all the ghosts come here. (laughs) Sorry. Okay. So they speculate about um, who owns the house and how... There must be an owner because the developer must have bought it off somebody. And maybe there's some way they could find out who owns it. So they call Marianne to just very vaguely tell her to keep on the lookout for clues because you never know where you might find one because she lives in an old house. I have this marked as the one instance of like annoying writing in this book. It's like, Marianne, did you hear about the map that Christy found? I asked after we'd said, hello, how are you? And all that. It's like, you don't need to put that in. It's okay. <laughs> I kind of like that because so many novel, like, phone calls omit that and it makes them sound incredibly rude. And See, it makes them sound like they just clunk down, like, 
at the end of it. Or yeah. in movies, yeah, they pick it up and they're like... Like, I'd be so mad if someone did that to me. <laughs> I would have just assumed that, you know, they could have re- reworded it slightly so that it would imply that yeah. they rang Marianne, that happened, and then this was in the middle of the phone call when they have done the greeting and then introduced the topic. Yeah, I would not yeah. have assumed that nobody said hello. <laughs> Yeah, there probably was a more elegant way around that, but... Although, every time I think about how people answer the phone on movies and TV shows, and absolutely they do that, it's true. Yeah. I just think about, like, the X-Files, and them answering the phone with Mulder, it's me, and then, like, Mulder, it's me, Scully, it's me, are the the first things they say on the phone every time. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. It's like a convention that they have for each other. It's not like... Hey, how are you, how's your day going? <laughs> like, by the way, there's a slime monster here and he's eating my leg. Like, <laughs> yeah, they they decide basically that they're all in on the drama and they're going to mobilize everyone. Um, Claudia has to stay put and do her homework because for the first time we hear that she's been threatened with having to quit the babysitters club if her grades are bad. Mm. So she has to stay and do that. But she's been told to keep her eyes and ears open in the next few days because the clues <laughs> might be in the air. Uh, Mallory is off taking her sisters on a teddy bear's picnic and Jessie is weirdly just not required in this book. Yeah, I noticed Hmm. that. She's away for the weekend and like basically everything else that happens in this book, there's a reason for Jessie just not to turn up. It's really weird. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, her being away for the weekend is to allow Stacey to be the person who is minding Charlotte. So I do, that seems quite plausible. But then subsequently, it's like, oh yeah, Jessie couldn't come to such and such because she was at dance class or whatever. Mm. Like, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Which is also really plausible because she does have regular dance classes, but I was kind of like, why are you leaving her out twice though? Yeah. Yeah. I do really understand the author's desire to have a a limited number of the babysitters involved in the mystery and with prominent speaking roles because it gets unwieldy yeah Mm. and kind of ridiculous to have too big of a cast yeah Yeah, like it doesn't actually work all that well and i understand why like she had Mm. to just leave some people out but i'm like i like jesse bring her back yeah yeah. it's just it just looks bad when the one person who keeps not being there is the black girl okay it just looks bad it just does (laughs) yeah and uh, yeah also jesse is like sensible and i love her in books when the other girls get caught up in the drama Jessie is always yeah, entertaining. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, Stacy does speculate that like maybe they're just like getting away with themselves, and maybe the map means nothing, but that like at least it's keeping Charlotte busy, and she doesn't have to play war all the time. So she's going to go with it. <laughs> she's leaning into it. Yes. Next, Claudia is looking after Gabby and Mariah, and she takes them to the library for story time, uh, where we get more age-appropriate book recommendations. Uh, Today, it's Mike Mulligan and his steam shovel and The Little House. And we actually even get a synopsis of The Little House. We definitely are being sent off to read this book. (laughs) Yes, or to read it to our babysitting charges. (laughs) So she takes them to the library, uh, manages to... um, They sing show tunes the whole way to the library. (laughs) So glad I'm not their babysitter. Eva, yeah, I found that wearing and like I quite like a musical... (laughs) Yes, but then the Perkinses are just like, oh, just just chill out, girls. <laughs> I know. Uh, I do find it hilarious that when they get to the library and the, 
person at the library desk doesn't know them, Claudia's like, oh, the librarian must be new because she'd know them. <laughs> Everyone knows the Perkins <laughs> girls. <Yes. laughs> so she parks them at a story corner and goes and does some research on local property tax records, which fair play. Like that is impressive dedication to the mystery for anyone, particularly for someone who struggles with the written word. Like I'm genuinely impressed. I love this. Um, I love this whole setting because like, so partly she's doing a Nancy Drew thing, which is, you know, Obviously, she'd be into that. But also, it's like, well, my mom is the head librarian. Um, and she has all these anecdotes about people recognizing her mom outside the library and, you know, how she's so familiar with the whole place. And she's like, I never thought of myself as a bookish person, but I feel like I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm coming into my librarian inheritance and going through this, <laughs> yes. knowing where these particular books are located. Yes. Um, and, I, and I love that it's like, you know, I said I'd never, I wouldn't go into the library trade and yet somehow circumstances brought me here to <laughs> my birthright. <laughs> so she's got a stack of books that she's going through. It's lovely. So she reads some records, uh, concludes that the town is in fact entirely built on ancient <laughs> burial grounds and the house is perhaps on a sacred spot. Although the people who had written the records don't seem to be too concerned about it. Uh, but Claudia finds this very perturbing. Um <laughs> So she calms herself down with the property tax records and <laughs> turns out the house's owner is a guy called Ronald Hennessy. And Some good research. Yeah, very handy. Um, she is worried though because obviously he doesn't live there and where is he? How could she find where he is? So she goes over and asks her mom, is there any way to find him? And her mom is like, yeah, look in the phone book. Um, which Claudia is adorably very embarrassed by. <laughs> I, think, I think her mom is kind of like nicer about it than that she's she seems sort of like entertained but she doesn't yeah. ask her anything she's like okay i guess i guess claudia's doing a thing yeah, she's having a montage and then, yeah she's having a montage and claudia's like do <laughs> and she looked in the phone book um but it's nice it feels like her we we give the quiches a lot of stick for like how hard they are on claudia yeah but they do seem to be kind of like oh claudia's doing a library thing that's that's nice yeah she's come to my domain i love it yeah, yeah. i mean that's why the, like, i love that yeah the, she just smiles a little and said well i guess i tried the phone book and i can see her on the inside being just like she's doing library stuff this is great <laughs> but being like i don't want to scare her off by acting too keen about it yeah i'll just <laughs> help her subtly and support from the sidelines yes. just, yeah it's nice it's very cute <laughs> So yeah, Claudia finds him. He lives in the nursing home, Stony Brook Manor. And yeah, mission accomplished. She's found all the information that she came to get. That's amazing. <laughs> I say as somebody who spends a lot of time <laughs> researching in libraries. I'm sure this was very satisfying to you particularly. <laughs> so some good wish fulfillment here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So meanwhile, um, Charlotte and Stacy are doing some more research as well. They decide mm-hmm. to go back to the house and poke around some more. This is very like a, an investigation RPG. Like they just decide to go back and roll perception until something turns up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how they unlocked a new cutscene. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stacy tries to convince Charlotte that maybe actually they just got caught up in the drama. And Charlotte's like, but the swarms of flies and the face. No, Charlotte is not here for that. Throughout this whole book, Charlotte is like, but remember the drama, guys? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, no, you're right. (laughs) They're really letting themselves be wound up by this (laughs) eight-year-old. Yeah. 
That's just what a good babysitter does. She definitely lets the eight-year-old scare her. Um, then they notice flames shooting out of a window. Yeah. So Stacy freaks out and runs off to get... She finds a wheelbarrow full of rainwater and she tries to, like, bring it towards the house to put out the fire, which, like, I'm not sure that's modeling good safe behavior. I think no. Stacy should have just called the fire brigade, but whatever. Yeah. But when she gets to the house, uh, the flames have stopped. And there are no signs of fire damage, and she's very mystified. I'm a bit mystified by this. Me too. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm no less mystified once we ostensibly get an explanation for this. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so she concludes that the house is not at rest, and they hurry away, and she goes to the meeting and tells her everybody, fills everyone in on what they found. She then has nightmares about the house being on fire. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte also has nightmares about the house and about uh, storms and earthquakes at the house and scary bony hands coming out of the house, pulling her in. Yeah, they multiple people have seem to have had nightmares about bony hands. Ooh. This is a recurring thing. This isn't just one person yeah. doing it in a very nightmare heavy book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like fucking Jane Eyre in here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a there's a theme. Yes. Which uh Yep, never explained. Yep. So Stacy reckons that the house is psychically influencing them to have nightmares and that also the reason the workmen knock off by four o'clock every day is because the workmen are afraid too. <laughs> That's delightful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or the reason that there are no obvious workmen that she can see and identify from the exterior of the house. There, there definitely couldn't be somebody working quietly inside the house that you don't know about. They've definitely gone home to be scared. Stacey definitely has all the requisite tools to understand exactly what is going on in this situation. Yes. <laughs> so Stacey has a bad day at school because she's very sleep deprived. Um, she's supposed to be figuring out what X equals, but all she can think about is flames and bony hands and swarms of flies. <laughs> she gets hit in the head by a volleyball while she thinks about ghostly <laughs> moaning sounds. That's a delightful montage. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Um, also, yeah, Stacy is big into her maths, so not being able to work out what X equals is like a big deal. Yeah. That's true. This goes to the heart of who Stacy is as a person, <laughs> aside from being sophisticated and diabetic. <laughs> Christy decides that the drama has reached its peak. Uh, this is a hazard to the local children and that as the babysitters club, they owe it to the community to solve this mystery. So they have to hold an emergency meeting. <laughs> yes. She's so civic-minded. I love it. <laughs> Marianne is worried that if the whole town of Stony Brook is built over burial ground, terrible things might start happening, like in Pet Cemetery. I don't think there is any link between Pet Cemetery and what happens in this book at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> stuff gets buried and then stuff is spooky. What more do you need? I... Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> Poltergeist would have been a much better analogue. Yeah, or any of the thousands of horror movies where people move into a scary old house. Yes. (laughs) Like, as opposed to one where the house is fine and there's something external to the house that would be completely fine if you left it alone, but you didn't because you meddled. Like, it's just, it doesn't apply. It's it's different. No. (laughs) This is a story about the virtues of meddling. And this is like, I know this is unrelated, but I went to see this other horror film and now I'm really scared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> these girls they love the drama and we yes, love them for it exactly they do so they get together after school for their emergency meeting they have a special agenda uh, christy reminds them all that it is an emergency meeting to address the mystery of stony brook 
Um, <laughs> Stacy reckons that the house and its spirits have some kind of power. And Claudia says, yes, the power to drive us crazy. <laughs> Which is extra funny when she says it while like blowing bubblegum bubbles. <laughs> and yes. it's just a great image. She is chewing grape bubblegum and blowing purple bubbles, which matched her tie-dye t-shirt dress. And I'm like, Claudia has matched her bubblegum to her outfit. And this is iconic. I know. <laughs> I love it so much. This is peak Claudia. <laughs> it's great. What a legend. They all, um, they share their findings. Claudia says that she went by the house and she was standing there looking at it and she felt a hand on her arm. But when she looked, there was nobody there. Um, which is generally quite creepy. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, and everyone is very spooked out. Stacy speculates that they just want her for her junk food. <laughs> Mallory says that a long time ago, she and Vanessa went to the grounds of the house to pick flowers for Mother's Day. Uh, but she had nightmares about bony hands that night. Yeah. And the bony hands were angry at her for stealing the flowers. Hang on. Did Stacy tell them about her bony hands dream? Uh, Yes. Yeah. Okay, well then, yes. Okay, sorry. I didn't realize that there was a degree of um, kind of snowballing yeah. happening here. Uh, I hadn't quite tracked who yeah. was dreaming about the bony hands and what the sequence occurred in. Yes. Um, okay, that makes some more sense. So, yes, we, we will put a little question mark over Mallory's contribution. At some point <laughs> in the past, she may have had a nightmare about bony hands. Uh, but the fact that she writes fiction as a hobby is completely unrelated to this mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. What a scary dream. I just remembered it today, says Mallory. <laughs> I've never told anybody about it until it seemed relevant now. <laughs> yep. Um, Charlotte points out that even if they've completely misinterpreted the map and it's not built on a burial ground, it's still spooky as shit. <laughs> and they agree that she has a point. So they need to track down Ronald Hennessy. <laughs> I love this so much. This is. Can I just give you the sequence? So Christy like comes forward with the doubts and she's like maybe we're letting this get to us too much you know i showed watson that map i found and he said it's just of it's just of a part of stony brook the part where the cemetery is now like oh my god so the local burial ground is built over another older burial ground (laughs) oh my god um and then charlotte chimes in with but does it really matter what the historical facts are (laughs) if everybody is having these terrifying experiences and the girls are like no Charlotte you're you're completely right oh my god (laughs) you're so wise (laughs) this is spooky as usual Charlotte had gotten to the heart of the matter she may be a kid but she's sharp like (laughs) no she isn't at all like stop attributing shit to Charlotte that she's not like actually responsible for. Karen, would you rather get led on a psychic <laughs> wild goose chase by Charlotte or would you rather play war for three hours? Okay, yeah, definitely the psychic wild goose chase. <laughs> like, also, like, would you rather believe that there was a spooky thing happening or believe that a bunch of 13 year olds couldn't read an old map? <laughs> I mean, both. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I know in my soul that a bunch of 13-year-olds mightn't be reading the map correctly. <laughs> <laughs> but it would definitely be easier than, say, Googling another card game <laughs> that we can yes. then play. Google hasn't been invented and Janine only knows scary card games from the dark web. <laughs> <laughs> it is time to visit, to find Mr. Ronald Hennessy and pay him a visit. But first, the usual Pike bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds like, so like a news program. (laughs) 
Usual pike bullshit followed by movie at 10. Yeah, we just get a lot of pike business. It's it's not even that, like, good. They're eating dinner. They eat a bunch of food. Don's eating wheat germ again. <laughs> um, the triplets are being only mildly irritating. They play Wizard of Oz. It's fine. I do like um, Stacey musing on how, like, she likes being an only child, but sometimes when she hears about the pikes, um, she gets a little bit jealous. It must be fun to have a built-in gang of friends around all the time. Yeah, well, the pikes don't know anything about that because they fucking hate each other. Yeah, I mean, like, like are horrible. Doing this. Ask Nikki. And also, like, Dawn's eating wheat germ, but actually, though, <laughs> she's rummaging in the fridge for anything resembling health food. Finally, she turned up a couple of carrots, a container of yogurt, and some wheat germ left over from one of Mal's baking experiments. This'll do just fine, she said. Will it, Don? Is this, like, how detailed are the synopses that Anne M (laughs) gives to the ghostwriters? Because, like, they are relentless in their pursuit of giving Dawn horrible food. (laughs) Like, nonsensical vegetarian meals. Like, a yogurt, some wheat germ, and a carrot is not a it's not even like a snack for the bus stop like you're not even gonna like that's not gonna hold you for until you get home even no like that's that's so insubstantial and awful (laughs) nobody would say that was fine no maybe she said it in a very sarcastic tone oh that's the only thing that makes sense or that like stacy is filling in the gaps because stacy would like to eat like everybody else but is restricted and she thinks yeah. dawn is kind of weird and that she doesn't yeah i mean that was the one thing i did in the chapter two bit where they were like they, they were like dawn only eats health food and we all relentlessly poke fun at her for eating tofu mm. you could just not though <laughs> Yeah. Also, she and Stacy are often the ones that wind up being kind of like solidaritous about yeah. Yeah. eating differently from everybody else for whatever reason. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. I really hope Dawn went home and got some lovely brown rice casserole made with love by her mother. Like, yes, I, just... I am sure she did. <laughs> I hope so. I'm sure Dawn is pretty used to this because if you're on a babysitting job and you sort of just have to like fend for yourself food wise in someone else's house and you eat an unusual or restricted diet for some reason mm-hmm. yeah you, you you've got to be used to this kind of situation they definitely eat hot dog casseroles in the pike's house so dawn should probably have brought her own dinner probably yeah. but yes. yeah <laughs> it was this or cold spaghettios oh yes which some of the triplets have chosen for reasons that are unclear yeah there's an interestingly symbolic point um where because the parents are away um, all the, the usual places are up for grabs. Um, the triplets jostled each other, tripping and blocking as they competed for Mr. Pike's seat. <laughs> With the, given the masculinity that we're viewing oh, yeah. in this house, it's like just yeah. really interesting to see that happening. Well, in the meantime, while they were occupied, Nikki slipped into it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Go, Nikki. Maybe this is foreshadowing that everything will be okay for Nikki. Yes. Yeah, we know that Nikki's going to get out and become a journalist yes. and like just yeah. write multiple memoirs about his terrible childhood. Yes. True. It'll all be okay. Um, so yeah, this chapter has nothing to do with the entire rest of the book. Uh, yep. Whatever. Um, next, it's sleuthing time. So Claudia, Christy, Stacy, and Charlotte are going over to the nursing home to visit Mr. Hennessy. Um so they go in and Claudia hilariously goes full Nancy Drew. She turns up at the reception and says, we're here to see a Mr. Ronald Hennessy. I understand that he is a resident here. Yes. <laughs> Which absolutely does sound exactly like Nancy Drew. And I love it. <laughs> and they're like, 
oh, it'll be so nice for him to have visitors. Please sign in the book. And they're like, wow, this was easier than we thought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they didn't even have to steal like a bunch of nurse uniforms and pretend to be staff or anything. (laughs) (laughs) I imagine the staff were like, there's a school project involved in this in some way. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Or his family has decided to butter him up in time to get some inheritance or whatever. Mm. We don't care. (laughs) They bring out Mr. Ronald Hennessy and he's kind of weirded out to be visited by them, but they tell him about the house and that spooky things have been happening. I like that he's not instantly like, oh, it's so nice to have visitors. He's like, who the fuck is this? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, good for him. (laughs) Yes. So they tell him about the spooky incidents and he kind of perks up a bit and he's like, well, actually this house is haunted as shit. And he tells them a ton of spooky things that have happened to him uh, in that house through his whole life. Um, Most importantly, the tale of old rubber nose. So amazing. (laughs) So apparently, uh, when he was a boy in the house, he was troubled by the ghost of a man in old fashioned clothes with a nose that looked like it was made of rubber. Um, Later, I learned that this man was a ghost who went by the name of Old Rubber Nose. When he was living, a horse had bitten off his nose and the town doctor had fashioned a new one of rubber. <laughs> Children laughed at Old Rubber Nose and women spurned him. He died a lonely, sad and bitter man and it was said that he would never rest until he found a mortal woman who would love him despite his disfigurement. He may be pacing still. <laughs> He's the OG incel. <laughs> <laughs> you know... He's just blaming all his woes on the fact that women won't love him when really he should have blamed horses, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I read this and I was like, I wonder if the horse was like just sort of a euphemism. Really, he had syphilis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, old rubber dick was a bit... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, he can cause your nose to... Yeah, can, yes, later on. (laughs) Yeah, actually, there's... I think all of the rumours that involve like something bad happening to your nose generally are to do with syphilis rather yeah. than... Yeah, right. Headcanon accepts. Or, I don't know, piracy or whatever. Yep. Hey. <laughs> it doesn't matter, because even in this fictional world... <laughs> I won't spoiler it, but yeah. Old rubber <laughs> nose is, is, is not everything that he seems. <laughs> God, Karen, that's so profound. I have to go <laughs> ponder that. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so yes, apparently this house has ghosts out the wazoo. <laughs> His uncle James uh, was haunted by a beautiful woman in a green velvet dress who's fallen in love with him. Uh, there's a man carrying his own head around, an attic, an attic door that won't stay shut until the spirit is put to rest. Uh, Mr. Hennessy is absolutely revitalized by this and is having a great time telling all these stories. <laughs> his eyes were really sparkling now. It was obvious that he was enjoying his young visitors after all. <laughs> None of, they're, all the girls are kind of like, okay, yeah. Hmm. Everybody's like, we'll we'll let him we'll let him do his thing. Claudia <laughs> isn't. Claudia is fully bought into it. <laughs> yes, I think they all are. Yeah. Well, Stacy says that she and Christy are kind of wiggling their eyebrows at each other, but I think Claudia and Charlotte are very, very on board. Yeah. And he says that it's because the town was built over everybody's graves and the spirits are restless. Yeah. So what what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Because to be honest, I am of Watson's opinion. I think they built a couple of things near a graveyard, but not on top of it. And that most of the things that are on top of the old graveyard are actually the new graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there's there's just no actual evidence that there was ever anything built on top of a graveyard. But all of a sudden, Mr. Old Guy here. Well, I think Mr. Old Guy knows his horror tropes. Yes. But but like that's that's a really specific thing to bring up in the context of this discussion when these girls have come up with this and are totally freaked out about it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't Maybe know. he just felt he needed an explanation for the ludicrous number of ghosts. <laughs> maybe maybe he's been watching Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, yeah. It's a, it's an easy explanation for a haunted house. <laughs> okay, after bingo tonight, all the residents are going to be wheeled into the lounge to watch <laughs> some yeah, some classic 80s horror films. So he tells them that all will become clear when the house is finally torn down which is going to be tomorrow mm-hmm. and that they should be very careful because stuff is spooky uh, and he will not be drawn into any further details after this mm-hmm. but you know he says I'd stay away from that house I don't like the sound of what you've seen and heard there he stopped with that and wouldn't say another word about the house <laughs> that house is a building site children <laughs> yes. I know what you're like don't go near there because it's haunted and also probably unsafe, but I won't mention the unsafe part. <laughs> so they initially resolve that they will do as Mr. Hennessy tells them and stay away from the house demolition. But the whole neighborhood is turning out to go gawk and they can't resist that as who could. Yes. To be fair. I don't, before that, the end of that chapter is like, Mr. Hennessy's words echoed in my mind. Just be careful. It was a warning. Like, yes. Just be careful is a warning, Stacey. Yes. It is a warning to be careful. That is literally yep. exactly what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this is up there with things aren't always as they seem. Just be careful yeah. is, in fact, a warning. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, everyone's turned out to see the house get demolished. Um, Nikki Pike is weirdly like devastating Claire by singing wrong lyrics to the wheels on the bus. They're not mean or anything. He's just like, mixing up the words a bit and Claire's crying. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> They're like seven or eight and four, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Yes, those are the age of my children and like, I think it would be the other way around, but this seven-year-old would absolutely be screaming blue murder if the four-year-old did this and continued to do it without like... I mean, <laughs> yes, he does like things done the right way. <laughs> this is extremely on brand for Claire as well, I think, to have a meltdown yeah. or something like this because you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're still you do you are correct you are correcting it. I'm telling you to correct it. You aren't. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, we've all felt like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll allow it. <laughs> Claire Pike is just having a someone is wrong on the internet moment. Except there is no internet, and she's only five, so she just bursts into tears. Someone is wrong right here, and he lives in my house. Yeah. He's my brother and I have to like hang out with him all the time and he knows why I hate this shit. Yeah, yeah, it's legit. Okay, all right. (laughs) Everybody's there. Um, The workmen start demolishing the house with a wrecking ball. It sounds very exciting. Um, Suddenly there are flames pouring out of the house again. Uh, Stacy is very terrified. Uh, Nobody else seems to have noticed it. Yeah. Um, There's smoke coming out. She sees a figure calling for help. Was it? Could it be Mr. Hennessy? I couldn't believe my eyes. Nobody else notices what's going on. Charlotte is bored and wants to go home. Uh, but Stacy has a terrible premonition that Mr. Hennessy needs her help. So she leaves Charlotte with Claudia and she runs all the way to Stony Brook Manor. And it's genuinely very dramatic. And she gets there and she turns up at reception. 
and it turns out that Mr. Hennessy died last night. <gasps> dun dun dun. I keep saying that, but this is a very dun 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 kind of book, honestly. It is. It is. Like, it's interestingly structured. It's not very cliche at all. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's weirdly disjointed in like it's not a smooth boring narrative it's like what what is this though yes. like sudden <laughs> yeah. character death is not the kind of twist you expect in a babysitter's club book like yeah yes exactly this doesn't usually happen so yeah mr hennessy totally died but it's okay he left an explanatory letter because he thought <laughs> maybe he might die before he saw <laughs> stacy again which is so thoughtful of him i wish I more like knowledgeable old people in books would do this it's very helpful yes it would it would clear things up in fewer chapters for a lot of people yeah and again it doesn't feel contrived because he's like you know i was thinking about it afterwards and i just feel bad because yes. i lied to you all so much i made that up i should probably just say like listen don't believe any of that crap that i came up with yes i made everything up but I had a lot of fun deceiving you all. Um, so thanks for coming by to visit. <laughs> it was my last joy before I left this yeah, earth. Yeah. I, I like the fact that he died that night, kind of probably like chuckling slightly to himself as he went to sleep. Exactly. It's yeah. a good way to go. Like I had one last bit of fun banter. I wound up some random kids I don't know. I lied to some teenagers and I'm glad I did it. <laughs> Imagine if you were the kind of curmudgeon that just like, is really mad about the teens in your area and then you go into like you know sheltered accommodation and you don't get to do that anymore and then they come to visit you in the hospital and you get to like gaslight them one more time yeah just a little bit yeah before you go yeah it's like a gift maybe that's what this what the whole narrative is about it's like the universe has set up this old man for one last, like... One last hurrah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We salute you, Mr. Hennessy. <laughs> yeah, what a way to go. We're happy for you. <laughs> Stacy is relieved, but a little disappointed, and she's sad that Mr. <laughs> Hennessy died. But, you know, it's all okay. Then they all go through the mundane explanations for all of the spooky things that they have witnessed. Yeah. It turns out that. Yes. Yeah. In order. Okay, Charlie and Sam have also been like quizzing the builders for more details on this. Uh, because, you mm -hmm. know, only men can talk to the builders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the moaning sound is the pipes because it really is historically significant pipe work and the historical society made them take it out and it made a moaning sound when they took it out. <laughs> I have doubts about the historical value of mm -hmm. these pipes. Yeah. Someone's going to pay money for them. That's what I think. Yes, yeah. definitely. Mm -hmm. These are going to the architectural salvage yard and hipsters are going to buy them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, the fire that Stacy saw the other day was a workman using a welding torch to get the bathtub out. Yes. No, no I'm sorry, no, but like... That's not how that that's... works. You're not supposed to put your acetylene torch out the window <laughs> if you're using it. <laughs> yes, why was he blasting it out the window? If you do, it doesn't make like house on fire flickering flames. No. It's a small, pointy, very, very hot, pointed flame. That's you you cannot mistake those things for each other. No. Don't don't point that at anything that you're not currently trying to weld. <laughs> like that's a bad idea. 
And like, I know nothing about welding, but I know that much. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I even if they had been like the, the narrative had described like seeing flickering lights that might have been, you know, like yeah. a bright light, you know. But no, like it was like flames coming out a window. Even if you do point your welding torch out a window, that's not what it looks like. No. Yeah. They're they're just very different things. And also, I think it would actually have blistered the paint worker in the window. Yes. She very specifically said had not happened when she went to examine the window. Also, like, if the guy was welding just inside the window, then when she went to gawk at the window frame, there would have been, like, a, a plumber on the other side being like, oh, hello, get off this building site. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Where's your hard hat? Yeah. This makes yeah. no sense. Like, if it had even been, I thought I saw flames inside the house yeah. through the window. Yes. Yeah. That might make a degree of sense, but this is not sensible. She specifically said flames shooting out the window, and this yeah. is bullshit. Yeah. The yeah. flies, it turns out, were just bees. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. fine. That's worse. But okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is no explanation for the spooky hand that grabbed Claudia on the arm the other day. Nobody mentions yeah. that again. Yeah. yeah, I think that might be in theory, Claudia getting in on the drama. But what about all the other unexplained stuff? So Yes. Also, Stacy literally just an hour ago had a psychic vision. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a thing. Never explained. Never addressed. It's fine that they have some explanations that are related to things that are going on in the house. But like, yeah, most of it is, it remains like... <laughs> Quite mysterious. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that is what we love. Mm-hmm. That is what you want in one of these stories. Some things are explained. The explanations are a little bit, hmm, really? I could disregard that if I felt like disregarding it. I'm going to disregard it because that's not how welding torches work. Mm-hmm. Yep. And some of it is completely unexplained because ghosts and psychic visions are real. And yep. that's what we want. Yeah. And so Stacy has had a premonition that Mr. Hennessy is in danger, except it's not a premonition because like he's already he's not dead. in danger as such. He died yesterday. That's true. <laughs> Those two things are really temporally displaced. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's this urgency that she's feeling? There's like in a, in a more cliche story, she would have felt that prior to his death That's or something or, the, or she would have or saved she would him have run to the nursing home and the guy would have been like i'm really sorry he passed away 15 minutes ago yeah exactly or he's on his deathbed and he's lying there going i made it all up or like give yeah. him his heart medication and you can save his life <laughs> yes. um but like no he's he's, he's well gone that the door is closed yeah, he's dead hours <laughs> yeah give her some like some latitude this is her first psychic vision maybe she will get better at them down the line yeah no that's fair (laughs) it's her first time yeah no i like how it all like is is unhelpful and unexplained and doesn't hang together that's yeah all of that is how people describe actual like experiences that they interpret as ghost things it's where it's like i have no fucking clue who that person was in this vision that i had i don't know it it makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really like that it doesn't actually have a neat little and everything clicks into place and matches exactly explanation, whether that is a supernatural or a, yeah. a, or a non-supernatural explanation. I just like that you're just left going, but there's what the hell these that? threads that you can just keep pulling on, yeah. guys. But the book is finished. It's more fun this way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, this was exactly the kind of like mood I wanted to end this book with. And I was worried it would not deliver and it absolutely delivered. Yes. I'm happy. 
yes, this is the kind of story that's like 38 year old Stacy is going to be like telling to her friends in a bar. Like, oh, God. Oh, yeah. yeah. Then this all this weird shit happened. And I never really got a good explanation. (laughs) My insulin was kind of out of whack that year. It took a while for to get that under control, actually. But I kind of had some visions there for a while. I don't know if that was related or, you know. So, yeah. Also, Charlotte Johansson goes home and she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. the other thread. Her mom, that's fine. Her parents yeah. get back. Everyone's happy. Yeah. yeah. And that's the book. And um, yeah, I think we've enjoyed this one more than, than the last few that we read. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. I was kind of worried that we were going to be stuck with like just bad books for yeah. the rest of the series. So <laughs> yeah, no, this was good. Ellen Miles has come to, has just like swooped in. Yes. Save <laughs> the good day. Good job, Ellen. Yeah. No, this, yeah. this was fantastic. I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to more Ellen Miles. Yeah, but uh, she needs to get Jessie in, though. Yes, yes. definitely. We, we definitely need, like, less Jessie erasure. <laughs> yes. Um, fashion. This has got quite a bit of fashion. So much fashion. Yeah. yeah. Jumpsuits aplenty. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacy is initially coming home on the train in a white jumpsuit layered over a blue tank top with white pushdown socks with blue hearts all over them, a wide blue patent leather belt, and a wild necklace made of all kinds of plastic sea creatures in a rainbow of colours. I love it. This is like a very daring outfit to wear traveling. Like this is going to get coffee spilled mm. on it at some yeah. point. Yes. So the white jumpsuit, very impressed. She wears it again the second day. Like, yeah. How is it still clean? If I'm going somewhere where I need to be tidy um, and I'm wearing white, I will bring a spare top. Yeah. yeah. Like Because the chances of like getting a spill... Like I do that anyway, to be honest. If I'm, if I need to be really tidy, I'll have a spare with me. Yeah. Um, which was really useful a couple of weeks back when, like, I showed up in my nice green blouse um, to something, and the guy was like, "You're going to be standing in front of a green screen." <laughs> oh no! You were like, "Never fear, I'm a clumsy person who's well prepared." Yeah, I just like whooshed the top off, and everyone was like, "Oh!" They kind of were, but I, it, I had another top. I mean, on people would if you fine. took your top yeah. off at work. <laughs> I was wearing multiple layers. It was grand. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's it. She's it's stripping. Uh, <laughs> that's not uh, better. <laughs> I just I just like to be, you know, I like to keep people on their toes. <laughs> in in a professional setting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway, no, but yeah, so Stacy has this um a white jumpsuit based outfit um, and then the next day she wears it again with a pink shirt yes like this is the first time we've seen somebody reuse clothes which is really well, like isn't the the next day that she's like oh my god I just had to throw on whatever it was handy because I was running late I, I threw on yeah. the same white jumpsuit with a pink with a pink shirt and oh red socks yes so I think the, the idea was she had taken it off and thrown it across the chair in her room and was just like oh, I have time to find something else yeah but no Rather one even than... does that normally yeah, exactly. I know right it's yeah. weird Christy Thomas does and we know it well that's oh true. I'm sure I'm sure Christy does but like the the more fashion conscious girls don't oh, do yeah, it don't. but why wouldn't you though like because yes. you can it's a whole new outfit exactly. even if it's got pink and red in it which you know oh faux pas as we know it's yeah. fine Stacey <laughs> oh my god her socks which are very far away from her top are totally clashing with her yeah, top yeah like it's not like it's they're fine. side by side it's grand it's fine yeah yeah pink and red not matching was like the one clothes thing that my mother like had a horror of they look kind of cool together if yeah, you get the right nice. shades if you get like, the right yeah. shades but i think you have to get the right shades and mom was just like they don't match <laughs> there was um a redhead in my year who would like regularly wear 
a neon pink kind of palette. Um, and my, like, I had no notion of fashion, but for Man of Green Gables, I was like, oh my God, you can't wear pink with red hair. That's so brave. Wow. <laughs> I'm so impressed. And then I was like, oh yeah, no, I hadn't realized that is hideously outdated. <laughs> she could just like wear whatever the color, like the she's, fuck she wants. She's bravely <laughs> defying Edwardian fashion standards. <laughs> No. I'm really glad I never said anything. Yeah. I'm just thinking about all the red-haired people I know being like, they wear pink and it looks fine. What? Yeah. yeah it's th- grand. Those, those <laughs> books had a lot of rules about like what colours redheads could get away with. And it was like, can you just wear clothes? Like, Actually, I think kind of notice it in Little House on the Prairie as well. But like, There's the whole thing about which colour hair ribbons Laura and Mary can wear because Laura yeah. has brown mm. hair and Mary has blonde hair. Yeah, like, like Mary, like Laura can't wear the blue ones, Mary yeah. can't wear the pink ones, like obviously. And then one day they switch by mistake and they're like, oh my god, we're so bad. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look at, thinking about it, right? Just think about how a ribbon would look against the hair. Yes, I think pink would look kind of better against dark hair and blue would look yeah. kind of better against blonde hair. But like, it doesn't matter, lads. It's, it's not fun. a fashion faux pas. Also, you live in a forest. You literally know nobody. Yeah, like who's gonna see this? Don't don't even worry. You have one one outfit. Yeah, <laughs> for this year, it's, <laughs> like it's fine. Yeah. Oh, the uh, the famous Fiorucci jacket is purple suede, cropped short at the waist and covered with fringe all up the arms and across the back. Very contemporary. <laughs> like, could fully wear that right now. Totally. Stacy settles for a wild pair of heart-shaped sunglasses in a black and white checkerboard pr- pattern that is, yeah, extremely turn of the decade. That, oh yes. god, yeah, that is a very nineteen ninety pair of sunglasses. Th- that is aggressively me. fresh, princey. Like yes, <laughs> yes. Claudia is bringing her A game earring wise. She has one earring shaped like a little record and one shaped like a stereo, and I yeah. love this. It's yeah. adorable. I love that. Subsequently, Stacy is wearing a pink polka dotted short skirt with suspender straps and an oversized white t-shirt, pink high top sneakers folded down to show their striped lining, and these earrings Claude had given her with pink plastic hearts dangling down from one bigger heart. In case you hadn't noticed, I do like the colour pink. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's on yeah. trend. I can picture it's very it. Very 1990. Yep. Jenny Prezioso is back dressed like a creepy Victorian doll. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, she's wearing a white frilly dress with a pink pinafore over it. Her tights have rosebuds on them. And she's wearing white party shoes with big pink bows on them to a house demolition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's just so... When you put it like that, Esther, it sounds like a bit much, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to dress up at a house demolition. You never know who might be there. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, half of Stony Brook is there. It's the social event of the season. Oh my god, Stony Brook. <laughs> <laughs> this new civic centre, it better be worth it. <laughs> um, Karen, can you weigh in for us on the question of... Whether everyone is terrible in this. Um, nobody is terrible in this. Even the pikes are actually, like, not as terrible as usual. No, this is, um, this is grand. Um, Mr. Hennessy has his fun. The babysitters do some sleuthing. Um, it's all pretty reasonable. Yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fully here for everybody's actions. In the this pikes <laughs> are kind of obnoxious to each other without indulging in any misogyny. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's, it's non-gendered 
bullshit. <laughs> Non-gendered sibling bullshit. We're relatively here for it. They have a symbolic war over the role of the patriarch in his absence. And that's fine. That occupies them. So they don't need to bully any women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the gender stuff is all subtext. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, everyone is grand. Yeah. This is great. This is one of my, my favourites so far. Yeah. It was, yeah. This was a good time. Good time was had by all. Solid. Our next book is going to be super special number four, Babysitter's Island Adventure. Mm. So join us for that. Uh, hit us up on the social. We are on Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr as the podcast at Dawn's House. And we're on Twitter as at Podcast Dawn. You can also drop us an email at the podcast at Dawn's House and you can rate and review us in your favorite podcast app. Please do that. Tell all your friends about us. In conclusion, ghosts are real. Mm-hmm. Psychic visions are poorly timed, but still real. And everything is built on an ancient burial ground. (laughs) (laughs) And you can still probably not cook bacon in the microwave. Yeah. 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 We're standing by that one. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Lads? Off topic, but what exactly do contractions feel like?